0: Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory, it is entitled, The Truth. In John, the 18th chapter, we see Jesus before Pilate a number of times in different interviews that stretched from the late night to early morning before he was finally crucified on that Wednesday, day of Passover. I want to begin reading here in John the 20, at John 18th, chapter verse 28. This is during the night after Jesus' arrest. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not "...into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover." And, of course, of Jews kept the Passover on the 15th, the night after Jesus did on the 14th. Pilate then went out unto them and said, "...what accusation bring you against this man?" They answered and said unto him, "...if he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto you." Then said Pilate unto them, "...take you him and judge him according to your law." The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake signifying what death he should die. then Pilate left and went out of the hall. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. Verse 33. And called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Say you this thing of yourself? Or did others tell it you of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you then a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Now, we don't have any further answer from Jesus responding back to Pilate. He already told him that uh, he came to bear witness to the truth and that those that were of the truth would know the true witness. So we don't know, Pilate, if he was scoffing, if he was ridiculing, if he was sincere or what his motive was as he expressed. What is truth? But Jesus never answered it. So today, I propose to go through... uh, A few points and a few scriptures relative to the truth. In Jeremiah, the fifth chapter. Verse 1, 2, and 3. We read some interesting scriptures. Run you to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. And see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof, if you can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say, the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not your eyes upon the truth? And so we ask today, Aren't God's eyes upon the truth? When we look at the world today, I I think, probably, hopefully, we're getting so frustrated and aggravated when we see so much lying going on. Lying in the political realm, in religion, in the commercial realm, in business, in politics. Just uh, about a week ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was watching some of the Congressional Senate hearings and one of the uh, high government officials told an outright, plain lie. It was very evident because of what had followed and another same testimony. And then when they challenged him and asked him about that a week later, then he said, well, I tried to tell as little untruth as possible. <laughs> um, then I was watching, and I know it was at different times when they would be sworn in. I missed part of it, uh, but I, I think the questioner either asked, do you promise, or I might have said, do you swear, that the testimony you give is the truth? And they said, we do. And I wondered, where, where was the usual question of, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. They left a lot of that, almost as if they were giving an opening to the witnesses that they could give half-truths, lies, distortions. It's so aggravated, it gets so disgusting when, when you hear them talking, and you know they're lying, because they start curling their lip up like that when they're, when they're lying, you know. And uh, I, I, I won't mention the name on that particular one there, but... Uh, Well, we see this in society today. 1 John, the second chapter. I have a couple of opening scriptures here. 1 John 2 and verse 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, John is saying to believers, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. I've explained this before, but I'll just say, no lie is of the truth. Christmas is a lie. It's not of the truth. You can't mix Christmas and the truth. Pagan holidays. The Trinity. I could go on and on. There, you can't mix lies with the truth and make it acceptable. Because God doesn't approve of that. In Revelation 21, perhaps, you know, these witnesses that were testifying, and I won't mention names, you, you probably, if you watched some of those C-SPAN hearings, you probably got as disgusted and aggravated as I did. But Revelation 21.8, they ought to know this Verse. let me get there but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, that's druggists people are taking drugs and practicing sorcery and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death so when they stand there before Congress and they say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, they ought to be knowing that if they lie, facing them is the lake of fire. Unless they repent. Now, I want to consider carefully today, logically and Scripturally, what is the truth? I have some points that I gathered many years ago from an older book written over 100 years ago entitled What is Truth by Luke uh, Woodward and uh, also in discussions with Reg Noland in past years. Now, as much difference as Reg and I have on some subjects, he has been helpful to me over the years and we've been able to get into some intellectual discussions and I appreciate uh, him and his presence and sharing so I'm going to share some things from Reg and from this book and from my own uh, comments here and from scriptures. Truth in its various expressions falls into two basic categories. Natural truths, natural truths that is uh, like scientific, history, mathematics, physics, Those natural, physical truths. There are truths and there are lies. There are science falsely called that the Bible identifies. And then there are spiritual truths. This is religious or doctrinal truth. And we'll discuss these in more detail a little later. So, in order to better um, understand the second, which is spiritual truth, which I'm guiding to, we need to consider some of the points and principles of the first of physical, natural, scientific truth. Now, I have some points I'm going to go through here, and maybe in some of these I have some examples. So you kind of bear, bear along with me and add your thinking, and add. I'm not going to call on you, but uh, in your notes or in your thinking, uh, add your thoughts and your concepts to better understand this. Number one, all truth is important, yet some truth is more important than others. For example, truths of electrical laws may be more important to understand how electricity works than did Columbus discover America. Okay? Some truths are more important to understand than, than others. So we'll come back to Christopher Columbus a little later. Number two, truth is absolute, not contradictory. Now, there is uh, sometimes at least one or two or both seemingly points of view that are contradictory. And one or two, both possibly can be wrong. For example, let's look at this. Russian history and American history. Which one do you believe? Uh, German, West German, East German, German, United States, World War II. Who has the truth about that? Columbus, did he discover America? We used to believe that, we taught that, we learned, but no, we find he only made it to Cuba. He never made it to the United States. Uh, Well, who was here first? The Chinese, they say they were here first. The Vikings, Indian tribes from Alaska coming down. Uh, Columbus, uh, the early settlers that finally settled Jamestown and then the pilgrims. But well, we know the pilgrims were late arrivals. Columbus never made it. So, sometimes you've got some contradictions going on and for example, we would say maybe our American history would be more correct than the Russian history of a lot of things, but you know, then you have, the. uh, let's progress through this, okay. Some things may be opposite yet still true, like laws of gravity, holding me down, holding us on this earth, and centrifugal force. One is to fly off centrifugal force and one is to hold us down. two laws working together to keep us on this planet and thank God, you know, we have centrifugal force expansion of the universe and gravity holding it together. There's a lot of things going on. Okay, the third point every kind of truth must be searched out in its own line like astronomy Biology, history, spiritual, in other words, if you're searching astronomy, you need telescopes and you need spectroscopes and uh, you need uh, to study the stars and how light travels and time travels and the speed of light and all that and astronomy, mathematics, biology. Uh, Biology uh, can tell us man came from apes, but true science, then you begin to find out, well, not necessarily true. If you watch Planet of the Apes, you'll get confused because they got it in reverse. You know, the apes were superior to man. But, you know, this one guy, he knew the truth. But he hid it and he lied about it. Watch the movie with Charlton Heston. How many of you have seen it, Planet of the Apes? Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Now, the spiritual truths, we'll come to this a little later. You need the Bible, you need reference materials... That are confirmed by true history, true astronomy, true biology, and God's word. You need all of these to come to the truth. Because biology would tell you falsely called evolutionary concepts. We came, but you know Charles Darwin even was prior to his scientific uh, experiences was a Christian. And then even later he wrote, he really didn't believe, and even his daughter confirmed that he really didn't believe in evolution. Of course, he was over in Australia and trying to write. And Anyway, that's another story, story you can study out about uh, Charles Darwin. Truths are discovered or confirmed by research, observation, experimentation, logic... We'll see more about these little details later. Some truths, verse uh, number five, are self-evident, easy to see, easy to know. Others are more difficult, almost impossible to believe. Example, laws of physics. We see the results, but it's hard to figure out and know exactly because what we believed in the 50s and 40s in physics, there's new things now and different. So it's, it's changing. And so, Magnetism, mechanics, light, electricity, heat, sound, chemistry. All of these things are based on laws. But we're learning and growing and having better appreciation and understanding of these laws. Now stay with me. For example, in a little more detail, uh, we all know about atoms. We know about molecules. We know about quarks and neutrons and protons. We see the evidence, but you can't see a neutron or a proton can we? Quarks, atoms, molecules, we don't, see, but we see the results. We know with a microscope we can see some of those and with other advanced mechanical things we can see that and the results and science is always working and dealing with these, good and bad. Number six, in the search for natural truths we accept the words the testimony of others, sometimes by faith. For example, School books, Reggie, uh, a number of years ago, we were talking about some things about history, and he gave me a history book. If you believe, if you go to school you believe everything in those history books, you're going to be one messed up dude. <laughs> and he can, as he's shaking his head, yeah, verify. I'm, I'm going to kind of key off Reggie back there in the corner. Uh, give him some of the credit or, or blame for this message today, because uh, I'm including him in, in, in some of this here. Geography. You know, they used to think years ago, possibly that if you could go a sail from the west coast of Europe or England, uh, you could hit the Indian, uh, the east coast of India. They didn't realize there's a the big land masses of the Americas, North and South America in between. Finally, they began to figure that out and then uh, map makers and uh, Sailors and things could figure out, you know, there were some land masses over here. And so Columbus, he just sailed west. He sailed west, ended up in Cuba, in South America, and never did make it to Florida. Heard about it, but uh, that's history. Uh, true or perverted? Uh, we can discuss that a little later here. Ask Reggie. He, he knows. Okay. Uh, let's see. Number seven, a truth partially understood may appear to be inconsistent with other truths. Partially understood. And number eight goes with this together. A partial truth can mislead to a wrong conclusion, though it may not contradict other parts, if accepted as a whole truth or believed. For example, clock on a tower, on a church building, and you're looking at it from the east, and you read the time on that clock. Now, if you didn't know there were other clocks, one on the north and the west and the south side of that tower, you'd believe that's the only clock up there. And unless someone told you, who obviously, inevitably looked at it, or you looked at it deliberately, you wouldn't know if it was the same time. You wouldn't even know if there were other clocks there. And so, sometimes we accept by faith that somebody says, hey, there's four clocks on that tower, one on each side, east, north, south, west side, and so you accept that. And uh, there's, there are a lot of other examples that we could uh, go through. Partially accepted truths that we knew in mathematics and science and astronomy and history and physics. Things that we believed and knew when we were in school, we learned it. Now we have to unlearn and relearn because those things have advanced and there's new insights and we realize now, hey, uh, there's another moon around Jupiter. (laughs) And, uh, boy, there's a lot of things going on out in space that we didn't know years ago, but now it makes sense and we can see. Now, these points that uh, we've been considering, and I give credit, to Reggie for this a number of years ago as we were discussing some of these things. He said, these points are called, and I verified this with him uh, later on uh, a week or so ago. These points are called epistemology. You wanna write that down? Epistemology. And here's a definition from the dictionary from epistemology. The theory or science of the method and grounds of knowledge, especially with reference to its limits and validity, or truth, okay? And we see that truth is expressed in four basic ways, here's where I give some credit to Ray, I don't know if he remembers some of these conversations uh, many years ago, but number one, logic, and this is the definition, I'm going to give the definitions of these because this is what, to, to know truth, we use logic the formal reasoning using principles of valid reference. Number two is experience. Personally living through the event. As we personally live through the event, we gain knowledge and truth by experience. We see what's a lie and what's truth. And we have this old saying that we learned many years ago. Uh, I don't have it exactly right now, but it goes something like, experience is a hard teacher, or a good teacher, however you want to, because it gives you the test, then it teaches you the lesson. That's what experience says. We have a test, then we learn a lesson from that. So, we learn about truth by experiencing it. Then, we have intuition. Intuition is the power or capacity to receive truth, or revelation, without apparent reasoning or concentration. Intuitively, we know certain things are wrong. This is why some people have a very fear of heights and get close to a a canyon or a dam or something. You know, they they just stay back because they maybe have learned through experience that if they fall over that little step, they can get hurt. If they fall over that big canyon, they can really get hurt. So, but intuitively we, we know some things are just right and wrong and true and, and not just by intuition. And this leads into revelation. Revelation is a disclosure as of something not realized before. Insight, knowledge, discerned directly by the mind. And so intuition and revelation sometimes go hand in hand. There's something there are a lot of things we don't know until somebody tells us. And sometimes the truth they tell us is almost, I can't believe that. I I just, I just can't believe that. Well it's truth, I swear, they, they swear it's the truth. Now, these are physical things. Now we're going to be leading into spiritual in just a moment here. Spiritual truths are divinely revealed and can be supported, confirmed by these four points spiritual truth logic it just makes sense it's right or wrong experience of ourself and others others who have experienced tell and share us and then or we go through and live that experience intuition we just intuitively know common sense and sound judgment through revelation or through being revealed by God or others that There's something that is right or wrong. And a lot of revelation comes to us, spiritual revelation, through others. And so that's where we begin to look to trusting in in faith or in confidence in what they're saying. Now, the second point here, uh, if you can just kind of take and remember some of these points that I shared because I won't be repeating all of them but just in... Context because we're going to look at a few points and then some scriptures. Spiritual truths. Religious doctrine. This is very important for us to understand. In 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. First Corinthians. The second chapter. Verse 10 through 15. Just have to break into the thoughts here. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yea, he himself is judged of no man. So, in order for us in our natural mind to receive and to understand spiritual truths, it has to be revealed to us by God. He opens our mind by His Spirit to help us to understand those things. Now, Truth has always existed, existed before, but a lot of it just wasn't known. Or it was only partially known. Or it was misapplied. A part of it was misapplied. And we could go back into many scripture references and many historical references and, and show where truth has been kind of split in two, uh, parsed, half truths and has been presented as the whole truth and has been very confusing. So now, if we're going to understand spiritual truths, we have to understand, we've got to look to God through His Spirit to help us understand. Now, spiritual truths have been written, testified, witnessed about by others. We accept on faith, their experience, our experience, logic, revelation, intuition, their testimony, or self-research and seeking for the truth. So we're... We take all these things that we've been leading up to before here, logic and experience and revelation and intuition and God's spirit to help us discern what truly is the truth. John 8th chapter and verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Two things. If we continue in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll know the truth. And the result of that truth is freedom. Free from bondage. Free from the devil. Free from sin. Free from a lot of confusion. Free from doubt. Free from error and lies. We'll be freed from a lot of wrong doctrinal teaching. Because we have spiritual truth. If we stay connected to Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh, talking about Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, full of Jesus Christ. Grace is the divine influence in the life, reflected outwardly. That's God's spirit on the human being reflected outwardly. Now, part of grace is forgiveness of sins. But that's not all. If you just say grace is unmerited pardon of sins, that limits and restricts the power and the force of grace and what it does in a human being. And so, Jesus was full of grace, the divine influence was on him, and he was full of truth. That's why, you know, he already told some things to... To Pilate, but because Pilate was maybe so scoffing or had his mind closed or so ridiculing or whatever, he Jesus didn't pursue it, he didn't tell him any more about what truth. But we have what he said earlier, and a lot of things that he and Paul and others have said later that tell us what truth is. Romans, I mean, in John. Uh, Let's see, uh, John one fourteen. Yeah, we've done that. Uh, John fourteen six. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life, those three things. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, David Hope and I were talking about something different at the beginning of services, uh, different about the calling and how some people say, well, I think, you know, uh, I like this way, or I'll do this, or I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to start off on this way. I'm kind of paraphrasing. It's God that initiates the call. He's the one we were talking about election and selection. Now the Bible doesn't use the word select or selection but it uses the word elect in the Greek and election and it means the same thing election selection so when we're elected by God we're the election that means God has selected us out of the rest of humanity and you look at billions of people on earth today and the few Hundreds of thousands or millions or I don't, know the, I don't know around this world how many God is selecting and electing down through the last 2,000 years. But we ought to be very uh, appreciative and very much inspired to know that God has elected us or selected us. He's chosen us to know Jesus, the way, how we should live, the truth, and the life. And in John, the 17th chapter, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God. This, this is the word of God. Now, Jesus Christ is the Logos. He is the word also, personified. So, Jesus is the personification of the Bible. All the truth, the word of God... Jesus, there was no conflict, there was no disharmony, there was complete agreement between Jesus and this Word. You would not look at Jesus and examine His life and His character and His words and the things that He said and say, uh-oh, there's a contradiction because the Bible says it. Now, if that is the case, that's because we misunderstand, or we misapply, or some have distorted or perverted or arrested that scripture, that concept, so that it's not in harmony and agreement, because truth will not be contradictory. Truth will be absolute. Okay, uh, John First uh, John, the fifth chapter. First John five, verse one through six. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, this word born and this word that we'll read a later here, and everyone that loveth him beget, loveth him also that is begotten of him. It's the same word, same Greek word. And this application of the word begot or begotten and born means to be uh, begotten. We know what that means to be impregnated, to be conceived, to become a separate individual from the mother and the father. Now, just to help you, and I've explained all this before, but just, just to remind while we're here on this point, because it came up again uh, this morning as I was watching the news, where many Christians believe in uh, that uh, conception, the life begins at conception. And if I explained this before, no. Life began at Adam and Eve from God, and has continued human life down through both the mother and father. And so what happens, you take... The life from the mother, the egg, the life from the father, the sperm, and those two coming together, life and life, you have a separate human being. You don't have to wait till they're born or till the last trimester or till they're 12 years old to say, you know, uh, suddenly they're human. Because they're human at the conception, not when life begins, but see, if everybody would say, Life began with God when he breathed into Adam the breath of life. Then we would have to say God exists. All life comes from God. Into Adam. Then to Eve. Then to you and I through our mother and father. It takes a mother and a father. It takes a man and a woman to have a life, a conception. And so... uh, Continue on here. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is begotten of God. And every one that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. We love one another. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is begotten, born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now here's another concept that we've added to here. We've seen that Jesus is the truth. We've seen that certain other physical things can lead to the truth. We've seen that the word is truth. Now we're being confirmed from previous and from many other scriptures that the spirit is truth. God is true. God is no lie. It's impossible. Remember the scriptures, it's impossible for God to lie. He can't lie because he is truth. And if we believe God, we believe the truth. And if we have God's spirit, we have the spirit of truth. And then he goes on, and I won't, uh, won't proceed in those other verses, because they need some explanation and help. But uh, let's, uh, let's, go back to John, uh, let's go back to John, the 15th chapter. John 15, 26. But when the comforter is come whom I will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me and he shall also bear witness of me because you have uh, bear witness pardon me because you have been with me from the beginning now here is introduced another word also the comforter and the greek word the comforter means One who goes about to guide, it means a guide, a a guide to go. So if you're going to go through uh, exploring or you're going to go on a trek of somewhere uh, and you don't know the area, you'll hire a guide. I remember uh, one time when I was first converted and just a teenage boy and was trying to study the Word of God and learn, and I said, you know, I wish there was somebody that could just... Go around and tell me, this is right and this is wrong. Lawrence, do this, do that, you know. And I was thinking, and then, as I thought a little more deeply, I thought, you idiot. You stupid. There is somebody that's with you. Jesus Christ is with you, always, to tell and to say what is right and what is wrong. Now, my problem is doing it. (laughs) Either doing right or, or not doing wrong. You know, that's the problem. And so here is the comforter whom the comforter is. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. Well, over here in verse 13, I'll just skip ahead. If, if Brian, if you can go to verse 13. Howbeit he, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into the truth. And that says, all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but what he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you, and go more than that. So, here's, here's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit doesn't go around saying, Oh, hallelujah, praise God, the Holy Spirit told me to do this, and all, all of that. No. The Holy Spirit will tell us in our spirit, Now I'm not saying it's wrong to praise God or do that or lift hands or uh, I'm not getting into that. I'm just saying that the Spirit of God will send witness that Jesus Christ is true and it is He and will not glorify uh, its own manifestation through the human being. He shall glorify me, the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus, for He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you and then He will give glory ultimately to the Father. So, the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, proceeding in uh, the next chapter. Chapter, uh, well, um, did I read? Yeah, I did. 15, 26 and 16, 13. Yeah, okay, thanks. Skipped up there. All right. 1 John 3, 18, 19. Back to first John. You see, John has a lot to say about this subject. Uh, we didn't include a lot of other references and other writers, uh, but first um, John three, eighteen, nineteen. My little children, let us not love in word. Neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We know that we are of the truth. We love, that's the fruit of truth, love. We love one another, we love God because we have the truth. We have Jesus Christ, His Word, His Holy Spirit. We have the Father. How much truth do we individually have? Is it absolute or partial? We are of the truth. The scriptures tell us no lie is of the truth. We must live it, believe it, know it and have the truth.